I, I can do anything that I sent my mind to. Mm -hmm. um, so I was producing for all of these publications. And then I started doing like some freelance writing for publications. And I was always one to have like multiple things going on at the same time, yeah. because I was always afraid of the money running out. Hi, everyone. I'm Marquita Harris, the Work and Money Editor for Essence, and welcome to Unbossed, a podcast for entrepreneurs, self-starters, and women who are about their business. So most of us have experienced unemployment at some point in our lives. And for those of you who haven't, consider yourself lucky. For those of us who have, we know it can single-handedly turn your world upside down and make us question everything we once thought we knew about ourselves, our lives, our future, all of that. So this brings me to today's guest, Rakia Reynolds. Ever since Rakia was a young teen, she's never been able to sit still. She's always embodied an independent, entrepreneurial spirit that keeps her moving and energized. As a teen, Rakia sold Girl Scout cookies, she had her own babysitter's club, and she even taught archery? Yes, archery. As a teenager, she proved herself so responsible that parents allowed their kids to play with sharp objects under her watchful eye. If that's not trust, I don't know what it is. Today, big names like Serena Williams and Ashley Graham entrust their own personal brands and businesses in her hands. Rakia is the founder and CEO of Sky Blue Media, a full-service public relations agency based in Philly and NYC. What I loved about Rakia's interview is her energy. As soon as she entered the room, she just lit everyone up. She's also a natural-born creator with a fascinating career. The mother of three has worked for MTV. She's worked for various magazines. But most importantly, you got to know this woman works and she hustles hard. Rakia personifies the tenacity needed to persevere in an uncertain world. Okay, enough of me standing for this woman. Let's get to Rakia. Hi, Ricky. Hi. How are you? I'm swell. How are you? I'm well. <laughs> welcome to Essence. Well, welcome to where we record the podcast. Thank you for taking some time out to come here and to let me dig all into, you know, your business life. Oh, I love this. <laughs> Dig on in. Personal, personal. I don't, like we were saying earlier, I'm like, I don't really care about mess and gossip, but like business gossip, that's it. Yeah. Um. So I like to have every person who comes into this office and um, start these interviews answer one big, big question, which is, tell me about your very first job. Ooh, my, my very first job. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I've been working for so long. I think my very first paying job was when I was 14. Okay. I worked at a camp okay. in a kitchen making sandwiches for 150 campers per day. And this was in Philly? This was in Lebanon, you? New Jersey. Okay. This was in New Jersey right, because I grew up in New yes. Jersey. Uh, but then I also, I was a Girl Scout for a very long time. So okay. I like sold cookies. I had my own babysitting club because I was inspired by the babysitter's okay. club. So you used so to had, read all the books? So I read all of the books. <laughs> I can't even remember my favorite characters, but I had a babysitting club. Okay. I sold Girl Scout cookies and I worked in a kitchen at 14. Okay. So, and then I was an archery um, teacher um, when I was 16. So that was like my big, big job. I, wow. I taught children how to shoot bow and arrow and BB I guns. mean, that's a lot of like... <laughs> Uh, responsibility that people had to trust a 16 year old. So yes. I take it you have always been 
you know, you've always had that entrepreneurial kind of spirit and yeah. that independent spirit because that those are both very, you know, independent jobs. Yeah. Um, I always want, I think from a very early age, from a, like a child, I always wanted to be really independent yeah. in my own boss. Okay. okay. Yeah. I love it. So how were your parents with like, were they very nurturing of that side of you growing up? <laughs> no, my parents are, my, my dad is a longshoreman. So he okay. believes in just hard work and hustle. Yeah. Like, Working out in the cold, the rain, the sleet, the hail, like just a really hard worker. And my mother is a retired secretary for the IRS. So she had the same job from the age of 16 until she was like, until she retired at the age of 60. So these are people that just believe in working hard. They didn't understand like creativity or like being independent. It was who are you going to work for? Are you going to be a doctor? Are you going to be a lawyer? Mm -hmm. We know you're really smart and you belong in somebody's emergency room or you belong in someone's courthouse. You know, they always believed that I belonged in someone's office because they didn't really know any other way. Yeah, I get it. Um, Especially just, you know, that generation. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. and also the doctor jobs, the, um, the bank tellers, the nurses, just those were the stable. Yeah, just get a job. Yeah. Make yeah. a lot of just money. Get a, get a job. Exactly. Just, yeah, take care of your family. Yep. That's it. That's right. Mm-hmm. So let's get into that. So you went to Temple University? I did. Okay. I went to Temple University and I studied international business and marketing. And then I went to grad school um, and I started to study counseling psychology. I got really interested in the art of psychology, consumer behavior, why people do the things that they do. So, so from a behavioral standpoint, that's what I was really interested in, why people read the things that they do, why people have the the reactions that they do. So I went to grad school for counseling psychology. But then while I was in grad school, I got a job offer from MTV Networks to produce a show. Yeah. What was the show that you produced? It was called What Goes On. And it was with the executive producers of Degrassi High and Ah. My So-Called Live. So you know all those folks. Now I feel the generation. Now I've aged myself. Like, (laughs) now I'm like, like, okay, yes, yes, Degrassi, all of that. But uh, My So-Called Live. Like, um, so what was that, I mean, what was that experience like? And how did your parents take that? Because I'm assuming that was a little off the track, right? It it was because I was in grad (laughs) school. I had gotten, you know, um, an offer from Temple University where they were paying for everything, you know, room and board, all of my classes, because I had to do five years of, you know, working with students on conflict resolution. So I was working with students and Temple was paying for it. So my parents were like, you have this whole setup here and you're going to accept a job producing television like what is producing television why would you leave all of this for that and the executive producer that offered me the job he was like listen you're really smart I don't see you having to do any graduate school but if you want to do it it's a nicety okay um but I think you should take this job with us and have a lot of fun producing and writing scripts and working on this next generation of television so you I mean it's I love that your parents reaction is like that because of course a lot of other, you know, younger generations. And I'm sure even your reaction was like, uh, what are you saying? Like, this is a dream job. Yeah. Like, So do you mind me asking, uh, this is your first job kind of out of college. What did they pay you? Uh, at Temple or what the, for the production job production job well the production job oddly enough, I, I do me. like talking about numbers. Yeah, I know like, you're a money yeah, person. Yeah. They paid me four times the amount that I was making okay. working 
in higher education at that time. So that was another way that I was able to justify this with my parents, because at the time I also had a two year old daughter. Um, I was about to be married. My husband and I were about to be married. He was in graduate school at the time still. Wow. So we were like trying to figure it out. We were really young. I was like 20 something. And I, you know, had a baby and I was like, you know, I, you know, and I, and that was the thing. It was like, I I have someone else that I have to take care of. And, you know, my husband and I are trying to do this at the same time, but I also wanted to live this creative life and Mm -hmm. like write scripts and produce television and do fun things. But at the end of the day, it was like, they were going to offer me this position but okay you know in television for those of people at the for the people out there television is never like you get a year contract Mm-mm. or you get a 10 year contract it is we have 13 episodes we're going to shoot these 13 episodes and when the money runs out the money runs out yeah so although i was making four times the amount that i was making you know then when i was making a higher education okay. there was a limit Okay. There was after six to eight months here, this money will run out. Was, okay. And okay. you, I don't know, you know, you don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. So that's, and I feel like that's so media also. Oh my gosh. I you mean, obviously know. like, you know, it's, you take these jobs and you kind of yeah. have these expectations and on paper, it seems very stable, but media, it shifts and it changes so much yeah. that, you know, a lot of times you do have to constantly be prepared to be laid off mm-hmm. or yeah and I was gonna get to that too because I know a little bit about that but um you know you get laid off or your position changes so you always have to be in a position where you're continuously getting the education that wherever however you're getting it you need to make sure that you're staying fresh and you're staying receptive Relevant. absolutely mm-hmm. so that said I also know you did was it kind of a stint at lucky yeah so I was producing in between all of the shows I was I was one I never wanted to be stagnant or I never lucky magazine yes, I never <laughs> yes. wanted to go on hiatus so I was producing fashion editorials for lucky magazine yeah. I was writing for cookie magazine how did you even get all of these hustles you know, with, with with lucky you know I had put my name in at a film office and someone was like hey we're looking for a producer you produce television have you ever produced for magazines and I was like I haven't but yeah, I can okay. yeah. you know and it was that whole like I, I knew like for me it was always like I, I can do anything that I set my mind to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was producing for all of these publications. And then I started doing like some freelance writing for publications. And I was always one to have like multiple things going on at the same time, yeah. because I was always afraid of the money running out. Yeah. Like in television, it's like, well, if TV ends, then I have magazine to back me up. If this magazine doesn't back me up, then this other magazine will back me up. Okay. But at one point, all of those things ran I was out. I going to say, like, I know I've been there. <laughs> not, not to that extent. Like, the TV, like, that aspect of yeah. I've never. But I do get, like, when you have a lot of, you know, things in the air and yeah. a lot of different revenue streams. And then sometimes the universe is like, actually, I'm going to drop all these balls mm-hmm. at once. I'm going to drop and, a brick on you right yeah, now. Exactly. Let's, yeah, exactly. Let's see how you do. Mm-hmm. So how did you, okay, you're in this position um, where you are doing TV and media and your mom and was this at the time you had was mother of two yeah so I and and do you mind me asking like about how old were you and you were you married at this time what kind of support did you have oh my gosh so I was married I got married at 26 my daughter was two at the time so I was a very young mom you know going to I was in graduate school being pregnant I just remember all of the things like I've always been like I've done all of the things and then by the time I started all of this, my I was pregnant with our second daughter. Okay. Um, and they're my first and second are about five years apart. So I was married, 
on our second child um, and then found out through a series of unfortunate events with TV and magazine and all of these things that we were all being laid off. Mm. And it was like, what does that mean? Like, you know, yeah, like, I, <laughs> what do you mean laid what off? Do you mean like, laid <laughs> off? Like I have all of these things and I'm yeah. doing all of these things and I've like prepared myself. And it was like, oh, we don't have anything. And so I found myself on unemployment for, uh-huh. for a good while. And for those of you who know what unemployment, it was like yeah. $500 a week. And yeah. I was like, like oh, oh. and you were in New York? I was, no, I was living Philly. in Philadelphia okay. at the time, but like with rent and children oh, yeah. and all the things, it's like, I'm like, I can't eat tuna fish and, and peanut butter and jelly that's and right. oatmeal. Like that just can't be, it can't be that. So that's when I decided to to start my agency because it was like, I had all of these you know, relationships and the, the, you know, just the things that I was doing at Lucky, the things that I had gotten to do at MTV Networks and TLC and all of the shows that I had produced for at mm-hmm. that point. But it was like, how can I move on to do all of those things, but in sort of my time frame and under my control and with my yes, narrative? Definitely. And I can't, I can't help but just sitting across from you and you got, you know, the dope glasses. And <laughs> even when you came in here, you just had this energy and oh, just, thanks. you know, the spirit. And I can't help but think, are you someone who gets bored easy? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Okay. yes I am. And that's why yeah. I think I think having you and having an agency allows me to move as quickly as I want. Um, I, I move very fast. I mm-hmm. remember when I first started the agency under the Obama White House, they had called my agency a gazelle company saying that we moved really quickly mm. and we grew really quickly. Interesting. Um, and, you know, told this story of, you know, like, yes, you can. Yes, you can make it being on unemployment and then having yeah. a team of people, you know, within three years of the company. And most companies, you know, it after the first, while. It, it takes yeah. a little while. I mean, listen, it still takes a while. Yeah. I think this new age <laughs> of entrepreneurship where people are starting companies and they see this miraculous growth after three years is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I'm here for it. But I just wasn't there for it. Yes. Like I'm here for it now. I just hadn't experienced that because I think because of my, like, because of my age, I think, you know, I'm an exennial. So we've grown up with, you know, this very analog yeah. childhood, very digital adulthood. So we have our foot in, you know, we have our foot in both. And I think the way that entrepreneurship is on the rise right now, where you can just do all of these things, being the mobile moguls that you are, yeah. I just got into that maybe about four or five years ago. Okay. Interesting. So I, so I do, I definitely want to get into, of course, your company. But before we do that, what advice do you have for women out there who are maybe laid off right now and mm-hmm. they're trying to figure it out and they're, you know, um, maybe like they're trying to figure out, do I stay in the field I'm in or do I pivot into something else? Mm-hmm. Did you kind of go through that when you were laid off or what was that I experience? Did. I think, you know, at the time it was what's going to work best financially at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. If I'm planning for the long term, and I'm very much a visionary. So I think that there is a difference between a visionary and an optimist, you know, people that are Oof. optimistic, they're like, I'm gonna make it I'm gonna do it. And nothing bad is gonna happen. And for me, it was more of a vision. I love and that. it was like, how do I plan long term? What is what's my legacy going to be? You mm-hmm. know, if I have children, how am I going to send them to college? How are they going to learn what wealth looks like? Yeah. And if I stay where I am right now, this can happen again. I could somebody can pull the rug from under me at any given moment. 
But because I have an abnormal amount of energy. Yes. And <laughs> um, it's calm, though. Don't yeah, get me it's wrong. Calm. It's a calm, but there's something <laughs> that, like, you feel it when you enter a room. Um, okay. So okay. do what's best. I would say do what's best for you from a visionary standpoint and what's going to work for the long term, not what's going to work for you right now, but what will work for the long term. And if you can start thinking of things three, five, in 10 years down the line, What's going to make sure, like, what's going to ensure or give you the insurance and assurance to have some generational wealth? Like, mm. how do you start building that? How are your children going to start building that? How are the people around you going to start building that? So I've always been in the frame of mind of, like, how am I going to leave that sort of legacy? Got it. So let's get to Sky Blue. Yeah. <laughs> um, for those that do not know. What is Sky Blue and when did you launch? So Sky Blue is a multimedia communications agency. So we're hybrid brand storytellers, communicators, and brand strategists. I started it in 2009. Mm -hmm. um, again, we're in our celebratory 10th year. We work with people, products, and places okay. on their business branding and bragging. Can so you get storytelling? <laughs> Can you get to some of those people yeah. and places? And yeah. Things? So on the people side, we work with, you know, I would say the greats. Mm -hmm. um, Serena Williams is one of our clients, Ashley Graham. Um, we just began working with M. Night Shyamalan, who I think is the greatest filmmaker of yeah. all time. Yeah. Um, we, we were talking about that too. Oh, yes. And I do. Cause I know, like I said, <laughs> I have debates with friends who, you know, different different strokes for different folks but i i'm an m night fan um so i kind of love just the people the, yeah. yeah and the variety of talent that you work with too Thanks. like it kind of spans um and we have some younger talent okay. um marley dias who yes. is the yeah you know the the yeah. creator of hashtag 1000 black girl mm -hmm. books so we work with a lot of different people and on the product side we do work with dell um, as I've talked about before, and we work with some other tech companies. And on the play side, we've worked with we've worked with Memphis, Tennessee, um, okay. and we're currently working with the city of Philadelphia on their global identity. Got it. And what does it look like to attract businesses to the city of Philadelphia? Okay. Speaking of places, I can't help but ask. Um, you were at Essence Fest for the was this your first Essence Fest? This was my first right? Essence Fest because we were supposed at one point. I think I was going to um, moderate a panel that you were on, and then my schedule changed, and then there were a bunch of things that kind of changed. Yeah. But um, so it was your first fest, but it wasn't your first time in NOLA. No, it wasn't yeah. my first time in NOLA. I've been there. Um, I'm a part of an organization, and we do a lot of impact investing mm -hmm. in different cities. So I'd gone to NOLA years ago to work with entrepreneurs that were doing, you know great things in New Orleans who were trying to make an impact, but they needed, you know, some thinkers around them to mold their businesses mm. and to help them with the right strategies and communication. So I had taken a trip out there several years ago to work okay. with some really amazing entrepreneurs in New Orleans. Amazing. Did you, um, were there any women were like, did you have the opportunity to, to speak with any other entrepreneurs there or like, what was that experience like for you? For as first? Yeah. And this I promise this is, I'm not asking this as a way, yeah, like, no, I thought <laughs> to promote, it was great. but there was something about being, cause I was in that space too. And there were just so many, at one point I stood back I'm like wow like there's just so many powerful. dope like black women and I was at E-Suite which yeah. I know you spoke at at that venue and there were just it was there was just so many ideas floating around mm -hmm. and conversations being had and um I spoke to Savitra and yeah, yeah so I know oh, that Savitra's yeah great <laughs> it was just great being around other entrepreneurs who yeah. are trying to work in a space where it's not just about them and mm -hmm. it's 
you know, it's the work that they're doing, but it's, you know, it's, it's a contribution to something that's a lot bigger, Mm -hmm. whether it's impacting different people or it's aiding to the growth of a city or the economic development or impact of different entities. So what I saw um, at the E-Suite specifically was just entrepreneurs that had just a greater being and they wanted to be around entrepreneurs to share ideas, entrepreneurs to share ideas and just to talk about best practices. So I I really enjoyed my time there. For those that don't know, what is an entrepreneur? We did a whole story on it and I love the concept and um, but for can you explain to yeah. listeners? So, so simply, the, if the entrepreneur is the risk taker mm-hmm. and the person that assumes the financial risk, so mm-hmm. we're speaking in terms of finances, the entrepreneur is the person within the organization that helps to keep the spark going Yes, and will help to scale and grow the company. So I think that we often, you know, glorify the entrepreneurs and we don't pay enough attention to the entrepreneurs who are behind the scenes doing a lot, a lot of, of the stuff. work. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So Sky Blue. Yeah. Um, how long did it take from the time that you launched? Um, how long did it take for it to become profitable? And when did you kind of feel like, okay, I'm in a flow. Mm-hmm. I can, I'm assuming you probably had some other things, hustles, revenue streams or something maybe going on at the time you launched because it, because you were just launching or no. Was so there... when I started, when I started Sky Blue Media, I was all, I was all in. That's right. You know? okay. Like, and because it was, you know, because it's an agency, I was able to bring in projects, consulting or producing under that one umbrella. Mm-hmm. But because I am, you know, a firm believer of brand consistency, I never wanted to water it down with anything else. And I think that when I do see entrepreneurs, it's like, hey, I own a health something company, but then I do this and I do these 17 other things. Why doesn't it fall under the umbrella of your brand, of your brand? So Sky Blue Media as a multimedia communications agency allowed me to take on so many different things, whether it was technology, people, products, all of these things. But it had to fall under that umbrella. So when I first started, I, I did. I had a ton of projects. I was still working, doing some things with crisis communications, working with business improvement districts. But it all fell under the umbrella of Sky Blue Media. And it took about three and a half years for me to see any sort of revenue okay. where I could hire full-time people. Um, and it took me until I got into maybe maybe four years okay. where I could start offering like benefits and Getting all of the things that you need to have <laughs> as a business. Or a company yeah. with full-time staff. And having and people and having yes. a building. I'm a firm believer. Like, I have to be and I have to sit at something. I, <laughs> I don't believe in, like, let's work remotely. I have, I have to be at the desk. Yes. I have to see you across from me to be like, yes. this is real. <laughs> so that reminds me, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I was um, digging around and saw something about, did you have a, was it a cardboard desk? Oh, my desk? gosh. The desk you story. had a cardboard yes. desk, right? So, what, was yeah, a... so this was this was um, a desk from Design Within reach and okay. it was this beautiful cardboard desk and it this is like, in the beginning right this is very in the very much <laughs> in the very beginnings and i'd wanted this like five thousand dollar desk and i was like oh i can't get a five thousand yeah. dollar desk but i can get something that looks like this five thousand dollar desk yeah and it for was how like, much and it was it was six hundred dollars okay, for this still an investment it was still an investment for, yeah. it was just beautiful like and it was made out of like all of these 
these creased cardboard pieces okay. and it had this black laminate on top. And that was like my desk. And I was yeah. like, I have to be at an, I have to have an executive's desk if I'm going to think like an executive. an executive. So I had to have the space I had to have. And the desk was the most important to me. I feel you. Because it was like, yeah. where am I going to put my laptop? We're going to, where am I going to put my papers? Where am I going to roll up to? Yeah. So from a visionary standpoint, like that I know, like, this is a company and this is where it's going. Yeah. So that does kind of help. Yes. You know, it helped the vision. It helped the vision. Yeah. I needed the desk. I get it. <laughs> and then I went on to get my, like, blue tinted glass desk after see, that. See, I love it. And nice chairs. As someone who, like, I used to work from home all the time and writing and editing. And I'm always, like, I'm very particular about my desk. Yeah. About the, you know, the inspiration. So um, when you were starting out with Sky Blue, mm-hmm. um, how much money did it kind of take I guess to launch it how did that work so running an agency for those and it it is very very expensive to run an agency and I started with no money at all because you were still on unemployment I was still on unemployment and so the way that it happened was my husband was working at the time and his he had his Christmas bonus and for Christmas bonus, it was usually like, let's save, let's do this, let's do that. And I was like, for this, I just need a little bit of the Christmas bonus money yeah. because I have to start this company and I need some money. And it was, it was like a little under 2000 <laughs> You knew what close, I was going to yeah, ask, Like right? exactly how much. <laughs> it was about, I, okay. and I'm trying to remember, okay. but it was between 1800 and 2200 because I remember having to pay for my office rent and then having to outfit the space. And I, I used those funds and then started growing the company brick by brick. So I I would never purchase something that wasn't coming in as some sort of income. So I couldn't hire people and things like that. I had like co-op interns and things like that. A lot of freelancers and 1099 workers in the beginning until Until we were able to afford you know, a full-time team. Yeah. Was it, how, was it difficult for you to, I guess, as you expanded over the course of a few years, was it kind of challenging to hire people? Oh my gosh. And yes. trust them? Oh my and gosh. And delegate? Yeah. Uh, human capital. I mean, <laughs> I would say, yes, that was probably the hardest thing that I experienced in the very beginning. Okay. Within the, the first three, I'd say the first four years were the toughest. Those were the darkest times because I was, I was learning still. Like I didn't go to school for entrepreneurship. I went to school for international business and marketing and I studied consumer behavior. So I knew what I knew. I knew theory. I knew why people wrote stories. I knew that there was a beginning, middle and end. I knew those things. Mm -hmm. But in terms of like the people piece, that was difficult because I was bringing different set of skills and hiring people, bringing people in. How much is this firm paying? How much is that firm paying? Well, uh, we're a tiny agency and we're very new. We can't match what other people are paying. So I felt obligated to let people act a certain way because I was like, oh, well, I can't afford what the big agencies are paying. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can come in a little later. Or maybe Ooh, you can leave a little this, earlier. I can relate to this just a little bit. Yeah, but, I, but it was, I, oh, yeah. some of the okay, people, and I'm very vocal about this in the yeah. beginning, some of the people were not a match for where the company was going. Mm-hmm. They were a match for where the company was at that moment. At that time. At that moment. And it was difficult. We, we went through a ton of growing pains. We had a lot of hiccups with the people Mm -hmm. but I would say by year five or six we were in such a groove that my vision was a lot different I knew who to bring in who not to bring in 
and also allowing human resource professionals to come in to help me vet people. Got it. So it was like That's Rakia, was from a personality <laughs> standpoint, because I would see somebody and be like, they're amazing. Yeah. They're so much fun. They're going to like make this office shine. And then it's going to be like, uh, they know. Uh, yeah, well, let me tell you, I checked those references. <laughs> and they uh, all terrible. Exactly. They come in late every single day. Exactly. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I think that's an interesting conversation that doesn't happen often, I think, mm-hmm. with entrepreneurs, because so many of you guys, you're starting these businesses solo mm-hmm. and it does take a separate set of skills um, yeah. you know, to have a team and to be a, to be a leader, really. Yeah. So what advice do you have for people out there who are trying to, I guess, step into their leadership role and really be able yeah. to manage? Oh my staff? gosh. I, I think there's a lot that goes along with having to lead people. Mm-hmm. And I learned very early on to be a great leader, you've had to have been a great follower. And so I think all of the roles that I played as a production assistant mm-hmm. and having to work for and with other people gave me the humility and the tenacity to have to understand. Again, it's psychology. You have to be able to understand people's behaviors, their temperaments, their dynamic, what what drives them, what motivates them, why do they want to do the things that they do. So I think it's really understanding the basics of psychology and what moves people to do things. Got it. Wow. I love and I love that you have that that background the site I mean I think that helped well yeah because I wouldn't have known I'm like why is this person acting like that well let me open my old psychology book and find out I love it let me go textbook so let's switch gears just a little bit um what's when you wake up in the morning what's your routine how do you start your day? It's no, I mean, it. you know, I'm not one of those people that has like a regimen because I think being married and having three kids yeah. and having the clients that I have, like no one day the, is the same. You sleep with the phone I by do. the bed. This which... is so bad. You know, they say, don't sleep with the phone next to the bed. Don't sleep with the computer. But I can get a call from yeah. someone at any given time. So I do sleep with my phone next to my bed. I also sleep with a notebook next to my bed mm. and a book that, you know, I can be into. I believe in going to sleep on a really light note. That's good. So I do try to read things about like fun things like astrology. I was just going to ask like, what, yeah. what's your fun stuff? Oh my okay. gosh. So right now I'm reading this book called Star Power. <laughs> okay. And, and I love astrology. Book. Yeah. It's Uh-oh. all about astrology. Oh, Tiffany. And, I'm looking at our producer. Uh, and and our <laughs> oh, sorry. And, and just like very light, like just very light reading. Yeah. And, Talking about, you know, why Mercury is in retrograde and all of those good things. I have to ask, duh, only because you brought it up, girl. Um, <laughs> what's your sign? I'm a Sagittarius. Come on, wait, Sagittarius. Is that, wait, Earth? I'm, I'm no, a fire. 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 That's why you feel the energy yes. when I come into the room. I'm trying to bring all that heat with this humidity. It. <laughs> because it's hot out. <laughs> it is hot. Um, And she definitely came in, guys, like with all the flames <laughs> and the energy, but in like the most warm way. Not too hot. Thank you. <laughs> So you said that you also sleep with um, a notebook by your bed. Do you dream of ideas? Do you wake up and write things down? I'm an idea person. I have ideas all day. And I think the company was built on creativity and just constant ideation. Mm -hmm. So I'm always cataloging the ideas that I have. And keep in mind that with, you know, my agency, we have 18 clients. Yeah, We have to create and ideate for 18 different brands at any given time, whether it's, you know, a Planned Parenthood or a Global Citizen or Forbes Under 30 yeah. or a Comcast, you know, so all of these brands that we are able to work with, we have to catalog these ideas. And I think, you know, because I used to be a TV producer, I'm always, I was used to always be thinking about 
what's a good television show? Okay. What would be in development? What what would be greenlit? I still sort of think in that frame of mind, like what is the next big idea? So I catalog them. And sometimes they're not for me personally. It's really, you know, I'm constantly producing ideas for clients. Got it. And that it sounds like to the role of that kind of a role where you're constantly producing, it serves you in so many different ways because you're kind of able to, looks like pick up, you know, pieces and put things together and make sure that things launch. But um, I just don't think we talk enough about the 